Welcome to the news and why it matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez here with today's top story is Glenn. What was the top story? Uh, I would say that we there was something that happened online yesterday that was fantastic from Joe Rogan. And it is platform platform versus um, publisher. 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 Thank we you. all know your topic better than you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, why don't you just do it then, Stu? Uh, OK, uh, my top story is tariff. Uh, tariff. Uh, Tariff again. I don't know. Oh, again. The thing there that I came up with. Right. Yeah. I, I yeah. distinctly remember Stu, Stu being coming the one up to with that. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> your, your story is agonizing. It really is agonizing. So why not go there? Uh, that would be your story, Jason. Uh, something that's agonizing me lately is all these World War II references when talking about like foreign policy and, and some of those things. And I actually think it's, it's part of the reason why that we're losing credibility in the rest of the world, while we're losing some of our uh, morality, why people just don't trust us anymore. Mm. All right, uh, before we get into the conversation, I wanna thank our sponsor, iTarget Pro. I personally love iTarget Pro because they have laser bullets. Laser bullets. And there's bullets. nothing that's cooler than a laser bullet. Are you sure it's so, called a laser bullet? <laughs> yes, we that? are sure. Right. I got made fun no, you of. You called for that saying, out, didn't you? I, no, I no, said no. Pat oh, said. you. Pat said it was that's wrong, right. and I said no. Look at the packaging; it actually says Pat laser said, bullet. Sarah calls it a laser bullet. Ha ha ha! <laughs> it's on the package. <laughs> uh, my daughter just started shooting. You know Hannah. Mm-hmm. Y- you know how she's not a gun person at all. I can't picture her shooting. No. Right. She did a grouping of about 20 shots, all the size of my palm. I could put my palm over top of it. She is a great shot. Mm, Um, Something happened in our family recently. We had a bad security scare, and uh, we all kind of, you know, we all live by each other, and we all lived in our house uh, for about a week um, uh, because we were a little freaked out. Uh, And she said, Dad, I want to shoot. And so I got her iTarget Pro because it's so expensive to go out um, and shoot, especially as a family. Oh, my gosh. It, it's really expensive. Uh, this helps you with cost, and it, it allows you to dry fire at home and, and have a point to it. It's like game still. Yeah. Uh, you can go to itargetpro.com right now. Get 10% off plus free shipping with promo code NEWS. Glenn, a platform versus a publisher. Okay, so last night on Joe Rogan, uh, uh, what's his name from Twitter showed up, who Jack, uh, Jack, who I actually kind of like. I, 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 I go back and forth. He's either a horrible, horrible individual, <laughs> or he really is trying. He just is so far out of the mainstream. He just doesn't know up from down. Same thing my wife says about me. Right, mm-hmm. right. <laughs> I, but by the way, I don't trust him as far as I can throw him at all. No, no, no. you. No, oh, yeah, that's <laughs> what, what a surprise. What do you think, Stu? I, you know, I, I tend to, I, I tend to think like the, a lot of these like big uh, social media guys get a kind of a bad rap. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm a pro business guy usually. Like I'm on those, I, I'm on that side typically. I don't think I have a fully formed opinion though of of him. I haven't watched enough. I know you watched his last interview with Joe Rogan, which was multiple hours because every Joe Rogan show is like, "Hey, if you have six months to kill, watch this interview." Well, yeah. To, to preface what you're just about to say, that the very first Rogan got into big trouble and a lot of criticism the first interview he did with Jack Dorsey because uh, Joe Rogan was like, "Hey, what about kicking off Alex Jones and those other people?" Oh, I don't know. Literally said that. Yeah. Like, oh, I don't know. I have no knowledge of that. Like, shut up. Right. Of course you do. Story, right? Yes, and it's. 
when all of that pressure is being pointed at your company, you know what happened. You say, hey, who, who kicked them off? Or, or you're what? not doing your job, right? I mean, well, it's or you're your incompetent. Exactly. Yeah. Right? So that would make, I mean, that would make a reasonable person not trust what he has to say. So, right. and, and the Rogan criticism um, was that he didn't push back hard enough on Jack, right? Like criticism on Rogan? Well, on Rogan. Yeah. He did last right. night. So that was, this was him fixing this problem. Fixing it. Right, okay. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. how did that go? Um, it went really well, except, um, I mean, they pushed and pushed and pushed and made great points. You know, Twitter, if you're a, if you're a, a lefty, you probably would accept his excuses or, you know, their spin of things. Um, I didn't, um, but, you know, that's me. Um, however, what was interesting was the guy who was um, uh, pushing back was Tim, Tim, Tim Poole. Um, he used to be with Vice. He is, he is a lefty, I think. He's a, he's a liberal. I have a feeling he's more classic liberal, uh, which would make more sense. If he's not a classic liberal, this guy is a superhero of mine uh, because he is, he has, he, I mean, he sounded like a conservative going after him. The free speech absolutist. absolutist. Which I love. He, 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 yeah. it's, if you watch any of his YouTube videos, he was uh, trying to interview people uh, on the right, some of the people labeled far right, and they'd be like, yeah, we'll tell you exactly. Like a lot of the stuff is taken out of context, we're being misrepresented. Um, when he would go try to talk to Antifa to get their take, they wouldn't talk. He's like, there's mm-hmm. something weird about this. Mm-hmm. Then they started attacking this guy, saying that he was a Nazi. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm like more probably aligned with the things that you believe in. I'm I'm a liberal. Yeah. I think he actually voted for Bernie Sanders. Wow. Yeah. Yes. Wow. He's a superhero then, because he tells it like it is. Last night he just went after Twitter, um, in a good way. Where he fell apart, and this is why uh, I hesitated to say that for sure he was a classic liberal, is because his his idea to fix the problem is to get government regulation and have government regulate these, um, these platforms. That is not the answer. We talked on the air today about uh, vaccinations. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not going to get into the pro-vaccination, anti-vaccination yeah, thing. Yeah, we don't need to for don't this Don't need to. This is about speech. Mm-hmm. You brought to the table that one of the guys who wrote the, um, the um, you know, universal vaccination code yes. for the United States. That's being discussed right now. Correct. In the he, he actually stated mm-hmm. that um, he thought that the U.S. should have a partnership, a private uh, public partnership with companies like Google, YouTube, Amazon, um, so that they can, you know, destroy the anti-vaccine empire. I mean, if that's not terrifying, the United States government having uh, a, a partnership with Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Amazon, Google, I don't know what is. It's where it's going. It is <laughs> where, it's that's going. where it's going. And that's on my board of the eight things that we said we were going to watch. That one, when that one happens, there's no stopping it. Um, and it means a cage is being built for all of us. So we're banning books, Amazon, on this issue. We're banning books. Nice. We're silencing voices on the, on the right. Nobody can seem to get a real answer. Now you have the suggestion that maybe a public-private partnership. No. The answer is they have to choose. Are they a publisher or are they a platform? The Blaze.com and, and Blaze TV is a publisher. We, we look and say, who's going to be a part of this? Well, we don't write every show or we don't look and they don't get permission for every show. 
We are responsible. If they do something irresponsible, we have to take action. Uh, you know, illegal, all right? If they're doing something illegal. We try to hire the right people because we are responsible because we are a publisher. A platform, on the other hand, is if the Blaze said, you can post anything, anytime, whatever you want. It could be about movies, it could be about politics, left, right, doesn't matter. This is the place for you to communicate. Then we would be a platform. What if I said, I'm going to kill this person? Would I be able to say that? No. A platform? No. Because you can't, well, you can't incite uh, violence and you can't incite anything illegal. It's not about, do, like, the person who posts it, of course, it can get in trouble. But the actual platform, unless they were seen to not be taking action, in, particularly in some systematic right. way, could not necessarily be sued. Be if, liable. If, if, right. we, if we were to post that on Facebook right now, it would go up. Until someone flagged it and it got taken down, right? Like, but Facebook would not be held responsible, responsible for that. Where if the Blaze, if they wrote an op-ed, how do I kill X, Y, or Z, would be held responsible. Because right. we choose, all right? So what's, what, what's happened here is the, um, the big Googles, Facebook, Twitter, all of these guys, they have platform status, which means they don't, they don't, they're not held responsible for anything, then, on top of it, they say, oh, but we have a social responsibility. Well, now you're a publisher. So it, the point is, if you're a platform, then you are a place to gather and speak, and anything can be said except stuff that's illegal. And you just have to put up with it. That's the way it is. It's free speech. The minute you become a platform um, publisher. or a publisher and you're and you're also a platform, you're in the perfect position because you can take action about things and censor things that you don't like. Plus, you're not held responsible for anything that you don't like or are on your side and they're being reckless. You're, this is a place that is the most corrupt capitalism I've ever seen. You're talking about a company, too, that gets more free advertising uh, from every single broadcast, including this one, that, you know, they're constantly telling you to go to Twitter, go to Twitter, go to Twitter. And, you know, they, are get, they get a shield because they are just people posting things, you know? I mean, that is their, that's their status. Um, I, I feel like uh, it, there's a weird line of where that stops, right? Because I think any private company should have the right to be able to put up and take down whatever they want on their own uh, platform they just don't get, they shouldn't be able to get those protections right. now i will say i i think there is a difference in um the algorithm and the feed uh as a promotional tool essentially um you know it's one thing to be able to take down content take down alex jones's page it's another thing to not prioritize content right like if you're going on youtube and you watch a you know you watch something about the moon and the next one is alex jones telling you we never went to the moon they don't have to recommend alex jones as i don't think that's part of their corporate responsibility that they can they can choose not to promote or try to lead you to they alex jones they are a private company mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yes so they have that right to be a private company. Mm -hmm. Of course, obviously, then conservatives might not use it, or you well, know, liberals or, or conspiracy theorists might say, "I don't. You're not promoting Alex Jones. I don't want to go to your side. I want to go somewhere else." That's the point. If they were a publisher, they would become less popular because we would all say, "Hey, it's Twitter. What do you expect? Of course, they're going to silence you." 
now we're in this kind of nebulous, well, maybe, maybe not. What are the rules? I don't know what the rules. Some guys are getting treated one way. Other guys are being fine, you know. So you, they get all this runway where if they are a publisher and they say, you know what? We only are going to do these things. We're liberals. Then the free market goes out and says, we want to do something else. Mm-hmm. And it gives room for another platform or another publisher to come out and do the other side or another platform to come and say, we have total free speech here. So the, the, do you think the free speech free speech is going to save the day? Or do you think we're just all doomed? I, I feel weird asking. I mean, Glenn Beck, the obvious answer is that we're all just doomed. I will tell you that we are, it, we are so close to the edge right now that if we don't if we don't have more people like Poole yesterday that will tell the truth no matter which side the coin lie, lays on, we are in trouble. Yes, but it will be people right. like Poole that push us over the edge. Because really, this started in 96, this collusion with government and these companies. Yes. This, that's where it started. It was over porn, for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. So the collusion started there. We got to this point to where people like Poole, uh, even though he may be doing this for other reasons, just for free speech. But they'll be like, look, now we have to have them make sure that things are equal. That's why it is critical that we have the conversation platform versus publisher. All right, back in a minute. That's what you wish for with the government regulation. I don't want government. I know, but a lot of people will push for it because they're the I know. Jason, you were making a point off air that I wanted to make sure to discuss before we move on. Yeah, I, I, I don't see them. Uh, my my uh, viewpoint on this would be like, let's just get rid of the law. But You're when talking did, about the the uh, porn, uh, the uh, the uh, uh, Google, Twitter, Facebook thing we've been talking about last break. Yeah, I don't remember the name of that the act, but that was the one that was it started off. To, what do we do about porn? That's right, in, in the 90s. invading it's like a decency act or something. It's, yeah, yeah, decency and communications mm-hmm. act or something like that. Um, but the clause in there was that okay, we'll we'll give them platform, uh, you know, safeguards, you know, just as long as well, it wasn't written in there. It was just assumed that these platforms would be equal and they wouldn't start, you know, having biased opinions, you know, political biases. They assumed it. But I think the, the way to get rid of a lot of this is just get rid of that law. Just, just get rid of that. But they never do get rid of laws. In my well, opinion, they, they would add on to it. No, yes. they could, they, no, no, no. They could say that you're, you still have the platform protection. Um, however, it, uh, unless it's pornography, and pornography is, is pretty clear cut, unless it's pornography or violates a law... You cannot censor. Okay, so so if, if if that happens, it doesn't need to happen. And I'm everything's going online. Everything's going to be online. Uh, if I'm CNN, the executive of CNN, if I'm the executive of the New York Times or whatever, I'm like, wait a minute, we're basically the same thing. They're publishing their own articles themselves and pushing stuff out just like we are. I want that protection as well. So it's not fair for them to have it, and we can't. Like, what we we have to be perfectly, you know, we're not. We can be sued. I mean, what's what's going on here? Right. Like, it wouldn't be fair. Like, I I can see a big, he- you know, head these people coming to a head pretty soon. And, and these are the moments as conservatives, as constitutionalists, where it gets hard, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it was hard after nine eleven to worry about privacy, right? It's hard, and so they passed the Patriot Act, and we have all sorts of problems with that later on. Uh, the same thing is here. Like I, I think your favorite conservative media, the Blaze gets banned from from Twitter. It's possible they could they could do it. It's coming if they if they did it if they do it to your favorite personality, your favorite show, it's going to be very tempting to want to run to the government and say protect us. 
Um, and we just have to remember that if you do that and they do pass something that, that makes it so government steps in on private business, this is something that never burns liberals in the end. They're never disappointed there's more uh, federal government control of something. In the end, they always twist it around to the, the place where it winds up burning conservatives and businesses and winds up helping the left. We, these, this is like – you don't – the porn one is a great example. That wasn't a liberal concern. It wasn't like liberals were like, oh, please, to get the porn off the Internet. It was conservatives who were saying, we've got to make sure this is censored. And now it's burning conservatives years later. Well, that's why Government this, control is bad, and that's the principle. That's why we, it should go through to the Supreme Court. For instance, this stuff on vaccinations. Mm-hmm. You, can't, you can't just take things out of the public sphere. I mean, excuse me, as we talked about earlier today, the anarchist cookbook... The, the, the guy who wrote the book back in the 60s, how to kill people, how to make bombs, how to make gas, how to, how to kill people, he so regretted it that he spent like 40 years trying to get that taken off the market. Yeah. He didn't own the, the publishing rights. It's still sold today with Amazon. It's still sold at, at Barnes & Noble. You can still buy it. The guy who wrote it said, take it away. And that was a big court case. Whether that book should be allowed to be published, the Supreme Court ruled, yes, it's freedom of speech. We need, we need to take a case to the court and say freedom of speech. Yeah, we no, don't need any new laws. No, look, they I, need to defend the First Amendment. And I think, look, Amazon has the right to pull any book they want off of their site. If they want to, they can do it. I don't necessarily think it's a good idea. I think usually more voices, you know, more than less. That used to be kind of a... You know, it, you know, it's essentially pr- pulling it off of Amazon is essentially Amazon burning the book, right? Like, and I don't understand why uh, that would be a, a, an area we would go into. That being said, it's the government working with these entities that I think is the is the real problem. So that's where free speech comes, and it comes in the in the case um, as we've talked about when uh, the government, New York in particular, the governor has gone to the banking system. Which, if you're the governor of New York and you get them to change for you in New York, you've changed the whole banking system because it's all there in New York. So we don't we don't think you're a bad entity. However, if you're working with gun shops and gun stores and gun manufacturers, uh, well, we're going to have to we're going to extend yeah. your um, your period of being inspected because we think they're pretty shady. So if you don't want any hassles, just drop those people as clients. Well, now you have collusion, government collusion, mm. and it's got to yeah. be tested by the courts. And I will say, too, like I, I, there was a thing um, uh, that came out, one of the 9,000 allegations against Trump in the last 24 hours, uh, <laughs> was something about how he stepped in for the CNN merger and tried to block it himself. Like, he, he told the Department of Justice to go after that. There's no way they're ever going to prove this. But let's just take a crazy line here and say... Uh, Donald Trump admits it. He comes out to say, yes, absolutely. I hate CNN. They don't cover me fairly, so I broke up their merger. Is that something that he should get impeached for? Probably yes, right? Like, they're never going to prove it in a million years, so it's, it's nonsensical to talk about. But, like, government should not be get – especially in the, with no. the First Amendment, with the press, cannot be in there. Nope. And th- they should have a hands-off approach for all this stuff, I think. Yeah. Uh, I want to move on quickly to the, the trade war. Oh, Terrafageddon. Uh, yes. Yeah, it's my hashtag I started. Uh, so <laughs> Terrafageddon is a, a – a, there's a uh, – 
a way of looking at trade, and there's, there's two different ways. The free trader would say, okay, well, the def- trade deficit doesn't mean anything. Um, it's, not, it's not a negative. In fact, usually when the trade deficit is bad is when your economy is good and vice versa, mm-hmm. um, where you know, the Donald Trump sort of approach has been, okay, this is a big problem. It's a kind of an economic scoreboard between us and China, and we need to win on that scoreboard. That's why we're going to raise tariffs. So it's a, this is a difficult, difficult one to handle because <laughs> he's implemented the tariffs, uh, with the express goal to get rid of the trade deficit, and we have an update on that one. Uh, let's uh, do we have the headline? Uh, n- uh, not the quote. Yeah, here it is. The tra- trade deficit now soars to record level. Uh, it's the highest in 11 years since the economic collapse. Um, it's up over. It's up close to 900 billion dollars. I think the the uh, total is. Um, it's hurting the economy um, generally speaking. Um, but this is just a, like if you if Trump's worldview is correct, he is failing. Because this is his own standard, is to lower this trade deficit. He's implemented the things he said would lower the trade deficit, and the trade deficit is exploding, which is, is just bizarre. Here's how the, t- the Times tries to capture this, and they're right here. As the trade deficit widens, Mr. Trump's focus on it has resulted in a particular irony. By his own metric, the president is failing to right America's global trading relationships. Yet many of the president's critics don't blame him for this, saying some fluctuations in the trade deficit are largely beyond his control, which is true. It really has nothing to do with him per se. Um, it's, it's, it's a much wider problem than that. However, say his critics are giving him a pass. Right. Like, cause I, cause like I would say, well, look, you're failing, but in reality, yeah. the trade deficit being higher isn't a failure. That's not the way this works. So it's very difficult to handle. But the bottom line is how long do we have to wait until, until he just stops this, until he stops this, this, this uh, war with China and this war with all these countries that is hurting our economy and not to mention hurting his chances to be president in 2021. If this economy... I think that's how long we have to wait, 2021 or 2024. Well, yeah. those two. I think he'll go with it all the way. I really do. Because if he sticks with this, because now he's even failing by his own metrics, not like what every other economist sees as the metric. He's failing by his own metrics. At some point, does he say, you know what? I've won this trade war. I screwed China, and they're, they're now wrong, and I fixed all of this, and don't worry about the numbers anymore because now we've got this thing solved. I'm fine with that. He wants to come out and declare himself a winner and get these tar- tariffs over I'll with. I'll lead the parade. Uh, absolutely. Go for it. I don't care. Jason, last word. Yeah, and the, the irony on this, too, is, or which is one of the, result, uh, one of the unintended and consequences is that he's trying to get this deal done with China with a lot more tariffs on the horizon, which means in the cases that I've studied, every time one of these things go down, people rush to buy the goods so mm-hmm. that they can get it at the cheaper prices, yep. which inflates the trade deficit. So the trade deficit is going to be rising for those reasons for who knows how long this negotiation keeps going on. So you could get to 2021 and you're looking at the trade deficit and like, what is the deal while they're waiting for the deal to go down with China? It's definitely not going to look good. Yeah. All right, back in a minute. Here's I saw a chart today about cost the demand. Wow. You guys should have heard <laughs> Stu off air. Fire. He was he was screaming. Yeah. There were papers flying around. <laughs> I think a coffee cup was thrown. Mm-hmm. That was intense. His hair was all messed it up. It may happen in overtime. It may. That's, it may that's where I was going. It, it may happen You never overtime. know what happens in overtime. Um, sometimes we get a little nuts. Sometimes I, we get a little mad. In the commercial break before the end of the show, in overtime, I usually do a quick line. 
and uh, <laughs> <laughs> we get started. A line of what? Oh, nothing. Uh, just, just, you, you know, were the Trump joke. <laughs> it's but so in, awkward. It's like my mom telling one. In all seriousness, you know, we've got this talk going on about platform versus publisher and all of these platforms able to silence conservative voices. Hey, if only there were a network where you could go and you could hear all these conservative voices. Oh, my god. This is really hmm. important. To, it is. To be able to preserve the voice. We have to have these platforms ready yeah. for when they try, try to silence. Mm -hmm. Join us. You can go to blazetv.com, use promo code NEWS, and you can get $10 off of your subscription. Uh, join us, and remember, overtime. You, uh, Stu's going to throw some coffee mugs again, so you got to tune in for that. We're so reserved now. What happened? Up next, enjoy bonus overtime content from the news and why it matters. Available exclusively for podcast listeners and Blaze TV subscribers. Not a subscriber? Start your free trial at blazetv.com. Jason, things got so heated here uh, on set and everyone was talking about platform versus publisher. We didn't get a chance to, to cover your top story today. Yeah, um, I... I'm kind of guilty of this as well. Is it's always good to look back at history and say what happened during this time frame? Like, what did we do? Right? What were the circumstances? What were the how? You know, what was the treaty situation going on? Like, the maps looking similar today, and that's always good to keep in mind. But in my opinion, the, the World War II anal an analogies are just getting way out of hand. You're such a Nazi. <laughs> exactly. Um, it's just getting way out of hand. And um, I was looking at a few things at CPAC, uh, probably not what the normal person looks at at CPAC, but I was looking at some of the conferences on foreign policy. Nerd. And all that. I know, total nerd. Um, but that's big question, is our place in the world, and as a conservative or a libertarian, what do you support as far as foreign intervention? Like, are you for getting involved in places like Syria or, or whatever? Like, there's a very strong, you know, uh, interesting conversation right now, I think, on the right. Yeah, um, but this one specifically, there's a, uh, there was a guy that used to be, his name is Niall Gardner, and he was on a panel, and they were talking about foreign policy, and he was actually a, uh, an aide uh, to Margaret Thatcher. So I was, like, all on board on this one, like, total nerd alert. I'm, I'm watching this one. And he's also with the Heritage Foundation. So I was like, okay, if you want to get a conservative, you know, almost libertarian perspective on this, I should listen to this. So he comes right off the bat and he starts criticizing um, uh, Emmanuel, Emmanuel Macron and uh, Angela Merkel's call for an EU army. So I remember when I heard this, instantly warning bells kind of go off and you're like, whoa, I remember what happened last time. <laughs> and that kind of gets kind of, you get scary. Now, if you're looking at, you know, World War I, World War II time frame, that, that does sound very scary. And he does a callback and he's like, he said it was delusional for them to call, call it that. Um, the president, I remember at the time, said it was insulting for them to say this. And I'm like, wait, Why? And there was a lot of World War II callbacks, saying like a lot of Americans died, you know, to protect places like France and Germany. Um, he was saying a lot of British people did as well, and he was like, "Yes, this is insulting. You know, they they need to, you know, show us some respect for what they did." And at the same time, he was saying he started talking about conservative principles, like you know, if you believe in freedom, you have to fight for it. You know, if you believe, you know, you have to fight for, you know, that we believe in national sovereignty and all this stuff. It just didn't jive. Everything he was saying. So basically you have a European Union that's saying, look, we want to take responsibility for our own borders and for our own, you know, self-defense. Like, it's, it's time for us to consider doing that. Now, if you're a, conser cons a conservative, classic, you know, a classic liberal in that sense, 
that sounds exactly what you should be advocating for. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So us sitting over here, we shouldn't be saying, look, you need to be, still be beholden to us. We're still, you know, you give us the money. We're still going to make sure that, you know, we're responsible for your protection. That shouldn't be the message that we're sending. So then when we're talking about, you know, the, the principles of America, but we're also saying, oh, but make sure that you stay under our boot in certain areas and we'll protect you. That doesn't jive. It's the same places, uh, same uh, scenario in places like Japan. Like, it's absolutely insane that the relationship between the Japanese and us is the same. We should not be uh, responsible for their security. That makes absolutely no sense. Uh, if I was to ask you what was the main power in Asia right now, the most powerful power, what would you say? Probably if you said China. China. I'd say China. China. I'd say Japan because of us. Okay. Now, I would say Japan even without us. Right now, fourth largest economy, right? Fourth or fifth? I think it's the third if you look at nations. Okay. Um, if you look at nations, is a U.S., China, Japan. Mm. Very considerable to what, uh, what uh, China's is. It's not too far behind. So they have a very strong economy. Their navy would obliterate the Chinese navy in probably 72 hours. Their navy is outstanding. Nobody knows about it. You won't hear that from the U.S. Navy. They don't talk about that a lot. Why? Because it behooves them to benefit, to blow up the Chinese Navy and say how dangerous it is because they get more money. Mm. Um, so you'll always hear an admiral talk about the rising Chinese, you know, naval capabilities. But right now, they basically have none. They, they have one aircraft carrier about to have two, but they're, they're not blue water carriers. They only stay right there on the coast. Their navy is a laughingstock. It's a joke. Uh, Japan's Navy by f is by far more technologically advanced. It's more, uh, they, have, uh, they have a history of fielding large navies at sea. They've written textbooks on it that, you know, we, we almost lost several, uh, you know, we almost lost a war with them because their Navy was so good. Um, we were just better. But um, China does not have that. They've never been a seagoing nation. They don't know what the heck they're doing. They're throwing a bunch of ships out there and, hope, and hoping. You know, it's one thing to say we can win a naval battle. It's one thing to have the admirals to be able to do it for them. They don't have it. Well, they do have a nuclear weapons and 20% of the world's population. Those are two. Those are some nice <laughs> and, uh, and minor details. They make boats out of people. <laughs> the people is a real issue, but the nuclear thing could be fixed probably overnight in Japan. They already have all the technological capability. All they need is the, the range to be... Uh, as far as off. having compete, a competing nuclear power, which Deterrent, they essentially yeah. are because of us. Right. right. I mean, but we don't have to provide that for them. No. We really don't. We don't have to protect them. It. We could actually sit back here, not worry about containing the Chinese, and say, Japan, it's all on you guys. Do it. And they would be more than capable of doing Isn't it. Isn't our like presence there though in an effort to to not not to protect Japan from China, but protect us from China, mm -hmm. right? Like to, to keep them as contained as possible, being in their space, and and uh, you know that's it's certainly the part of the reason we're in South Korea, right? What, is, what do we have to contain them from? Like how do they well, threaten I mean, us? Whatever they well, if they have big nuclear weapons, they could always fire at us. But I mean, I think like their expansion, like there's a, there's a, like we're not going to necessarily we're not in North South Korea to fight against North Korea right right now. However, our presence in South Korea certainly deters North Korea at some level from doing something that would blow up into a larger conflict. Um, I mean, I think that's why we have presence around the globe. At least this would be the argument of people who who advocate for that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's very hard to give up something that you fought and died for in massive numbers, mm -hmm. which is the Pacific for us. Yeah. Like, it's a very, very historical, emotional thing for us. It's the, same in, it's the same in Europe, only we get handed the reins over to Germany a lot faster than we did Japan. Like Germany's all, they're basically they're the leaders of Europe right now. And yeah. we don't have any kind of World War II, like, you know, let's make sure we, you know, restrain them. Yeah. Why don't we do it for Japan? Yeah. Right point. It, it, it makes absolutely no sense. They, we should say, hey, guys, it's all on you. We're out. They would amend, they're already trying to amend their constitution to let them take more of offensive 
uh, you know, uh, stance, but we're still providing that lifeline. We're still holding on to that last little bit. It makes no sense. It's, you want to weigh in? Yeah, I'm just thinking that um, uh, perhaps it's because we are the far, far east. You know, California, um, Hawaii, Alaska, that's right on our border. That's right on our borders. Um, and Europe, you know, you're kind of buffered with Spain. What's Spain going to do? What's England going to do? You know, they're all friendly. And then you've got Greenland and Iceland. Please, what are they going to do? So I think it's, I think it's, it has felt like an easier uh, domination. And also right above Japan is Russia. And so you're starting to look, you know, we, we are thinking about China and Russia, our two oldest foes, if you will. Um, and uh, I think that's why we're, we're in there. But I, I agree with you. It's time to come home. It's time to bring all the, our boys home. Let everybody else fend for themselves. The best thing we can do for peace is to do what we did prior to World War II, and that is come home, be friends with everybody, uh, and build our own navies and armies and everything else. And that way, people know we better be on the side of the United States of America because if something goes wrong in the, in the world, we want them to come and join us. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? The yeah. devil's advocate, uh, the stance that we had before World War II uh, led to World War II. <laughs> it didn't exactly uh, have an, a long time. Well, that's because we, that's because we were, we were non-interventionist because we were so afraid of World War I. Right. I'm not saying that we're non-interventionist. I say that, you know, we, we prepare. The reason why we didn't, um, we almost lost World War II is because we, we, we hadn't prepared our military. Because there was no standing military right. at the time. It didn't feel like it, we needed. Yeah, we collapsed it. We fight a war and then we collapse it. We now have standing military. So you just keep your standing military, but you keep them home, you keep them healthy, you keep them rested, you keep them trained, and if they're needed, go pound them and then come back. Yeah. Uh, so we hear all of these stories about manufactured hate crimes and Jesse Smollett and, you know, the rise of... All of these people basically making things up that didn't happen just to get attention because they get glorified. Did you guys see uh, the the Twitter saga going on with David Korn, who is the bureau chief of Mother Jones and, and MSNBC analyst? I don't follow him, uh, unfortunately. You don't? No. no. He's not on your favorite list? I have heard of him before, yeah. Okay, I want to know what you guys think about this. Uh, so there was this long string of tweets that he that he went through, and we've got all of them. So let me just read from the beginning. He says, I just spotted obscene anti-AOC graffiti in a bathroom stall in the Phoenix airport. Yes, really, but I'm not going to post a photo of it. So Phoenix Airport says, would you mind telling us which terminal in concourse so we can let our facilities team know? <laughs> oh. Reasonable, right? Um, so again, they're asking and uh, someone asks, the social media team, you know, did he say where it was located? And they said, not yet. David, please let us know where you saw this uh -oh. so we can remove the graffiti. Oh, no. So uh, then Stephen Miller uh, <clears throat> on the Internet, he said, hey, David, he tweeted at him. Hey, Phoenix airport staff wants to know where this is so that they can clean it. Oh, he's blocked. He's blocked now. So guess that's out for Stephen. Uh, so then David finally responds. I was on a United flight to Houston about noon near that gate is that one. And uh, so Phoenix Airport responded, thanks for the follow-up. 
Our facilities team checked the restrooms in the area last night, and although they didn't find anything, those restrooms are checked and cleaned several times a day, so he does have an out. And scrubbed for graffiti? Well, well, he has a simple explanation for that, Jason. He then says, it was in a black marker that could be wiped off. I know because I tried. So you try, wait, did but he it wipe could it off? be wiped off. <laughs> but he tried, so therefore he knows that it could be wiped off, but it's still there? Not sure how you make that connection. Follow me and I can DM a pic. Thanks. So oh, then we have... Do that. If you know anything about uh, Twitter and Wiener, you don't ever, ever respond <laughs> to that sort of... Don't ever. That's not good advice. So then we have the Daily Wire reaching out to Phoenix uh, Airport asking, has Mr. Corn DM'd you a photo of the alleged graffiti? Uh, Phoenix Airport says, well, they gave us the information where to look for the graffiti and we followed up with our custodial staff. Asks again, uh, well, no, no photo. Our custodians checked. So finally, David, good old David, he finally caves. He says, look, I didn't want to post a picture of the graffiti because that would be spreading the work of a deplorable. But <laughs> here's a picture showing where it occurred with the message blacked out. So then you have, and if we that? could, if there's any way to zoom in further, because that's really, really small. So he literally took a picture. Um, he didn't show it, but he took a picture of the the above the toilet seat <laughs> and then he took his iPhone markup mm -hmm. and and used his finger to black out a random spot above the toilet and said okay fine here you want the evidence here it is here is a picture of a toilet seat with nothing there well now we're sold wow I believe him completely <laughs> there's gotta be this? somebody to be able to take that <laughs> that off that black maybe off. maybe yeah I don't know That's I mean but what a ridiculous so he's gonna post an accusation, and then say, yes, I have a picture, but I'm not going to show it. And then when the airport tries to follow up, he's very sketchy, and then all of a sudden he posts a picture, but it's not the picture of the actual Why did he even bother graffiti. posting the picture with nothing on it? Yeah, I mean, I he might as well just posted yeah. something with a lens cap on. the world that we live in. I will say, too. <laughs> somebody, should, somebody should find out if that is a picture of that bathroom. They might recognize oh. it by the tile. Yeah. Or did he go into some other bathroom that he thought looked an awful lot like it and took a picture? Well, he, you know, I mean, oh he could have. How stupid the society is. Okay, think about even. this. Think about this for a second. He's, you know, sitting there doing what he does on the toilet. Mm -hmm. And he's like, he's thinking to himself, oh my gosh, I have this brilliant idea. I could concoct a story about graffiti being up here yeah. and get attention for it on the internet. This is what I'm going to say, and I'm going to take a picture of it really quick while I'm here, and maybe I can Photoshop something in right. later. I mean, I, I don't, like, <laughs> Like, this I is a thing that could have yeah. happened in 2019, it and that's have. really stupid. It could have. I mean, it kind of makes me think, like, because it's not even a good crime. Like, so what if someone put a freaking <laughs> anti-AOC graffiti up? Who the hell cares? There's a lot worse graffiti in yeah, bathrooms. It's bathroom. bathroom stalls. Yeah. And, right? and, like, so, I mean, I, it seems With to me docks, so... You know, phone numbers. Right. <laughs> yeah. Seems to be so dumb that why would he fake it? Like, I mean, I, again, I, it seems like because he, he's so shady, you know, he probably did, but I mean, like, what, what, is, what benefit? Who is, At least with Jesse Smollett, it probably is, did raise his profile. I now know his name. But everyone talks about AOC on the internet. So if you put right. that on Twitter, maybe you're thinking, I'm going to generate some controversy about AOC. She's so controversial. Oh God. You, know, you know who doesn't talk about her? Me. Because I muted her like the first day I heard of her. <laughs> oh, AOC, yeah. those letters, they can't pop up in my feed because I muted her. You're missing so much fun. No, I am not. I, so am, I still get way too much of her. I, we can't get through one freaking show without talking about her. I <laughs> muted her on my feed. I still can't get away from her. I can't mute her in real life. So. No, I can try. <laughs> um, okay, I thought this was funny. 
I just wanted to share with you. Uh, Fox News had a little like poll from Uber, Uber drivers of what are the strangest things that were left in their cars. <laughs> and I got to tell you, this is a really weird business. Mm. Um, just to name a few, uh, a full set of 18 karat gold teeth. Okay. Um, <laughs> a pack of hair, <laughs> a pack of hair and a brown brush shaped like a foot. <laughs> well, who At that have a point, I'm kind of wondering, well, A, who has a foot brush, but B, wh- whose hair are they carrying around in a package? Frodo's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a red pouch with a hammock inside that says hang loose. Okay. An eight-week-old coffee-colored chihuahua, like a real dog. Okay. Uh, Ed Sheeran concert tank top. That was mine. I'm sorry. Mm. I'll pick it up. <laughs> Babe Ruth signed baseball. Oh, my gosh. Wow. And then, of course, salmon head, the head of a, of a fish well, you, left yeah. in an Uber driver. That was mine. <laughs> <laughs> that was mine. Along with the Babe Ruth baseball. <laughs> uh, all right. Today's the Blaze Why comment. Ben wants to ask you, Stu, have you seen the Flat Earther documentary on Netflix called Behind the Curve? No, I'm excited about it, though. I did not know it exists. Okay. And... I know, that's, that's a, a great, point. Great, great, great point, though. Like, they shouldn't, they shouldn't ban them. Just leave them on there. Well, yes. he's recommending it to you in case nice. you that need to laugh. That sounds fun, yeah. Yes. Uh, all right. Yesterday's poll, do you believe a gender wage gap exists? <sighs> Only 79% of you said no. Mm. 14% of you are uninformed and said yes. How does that make you feel, sir? <laughs> Very angry. <laughs> So angry. You know, so Stu, Stu doesn't like it that I that I get angry at the answers, and he tries to trigger me. Well, I I think if you're asking the audience um, every day, and you berate them every day, and you day berate the them, and you're like, you're stupid. No, Even when it's like what 2%, I'm saying percent, is, you're like, right. what are, who are these two percent? These idiots. <laughs> no, yes. what's happening is that our viewers are retweeting it out, and they have uninformed followers who are not our viewers, <laughs> then still that vote somebody on that in poll. that 7% that's like, yeah, that, that's right. That's what's <laughs> happening. Today's poll. Do you think the politically correct culture has a chance at returning to some level of normalcy, or do you think we will continue into progressivism and then crash and burn and everything blows up? It's a long poll. It comes back. It comes back. It comes back. Does it? It comes back. With terror and oh, slaughter. There we, go. Begin. <laughs> yeah. there we go. All right, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you tomorrow. I, I was like, wait. So right. <laughs> so right. With terror and slaughter. Return. Thanks for listening to the News and Why It Matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.